0: Sire of a Pandemic is a podcast and personal development community that lives at the intersection of three suppositions. The first is that there's a global pandemic happening as we speak that is reorganizing a lot about what we expect from the world. The second is that unconditional freedom is freedom in all conditions. The third is that the play between the first two is bound to create whole new possibilities for how we human. These are the daily chronicles of two transformational coaches as we pursue the path to unconditional freedom in the context of unprecedented times. I'm Kianga Ford.
1: And I'm Rachel Paz.
0: And together we'll explore both what new paradigms and possibilities are emerging in the world and what new desires and gifts are being germinated within us.
1: Each day we'll answer the same six questions focused on who and how we want to be as we venture through whatever new life circumstances the Rona brings. We will meet those with full responsibility for what this moment wants to teach us about how to get free. Welcome to Diary of a
0: Pandemic.
1: Hello, hello. Oh, hello been a long time like 10 years since we did this last that's right
0: 10 years or a few days
1: (laughs) both can be true
0: (laughs) simultaneously i was was not challenging your sense of time in any way (laughs) oh my goodness wow so i'm just gonna dive in because the first question feels very organic What's the thing you feel like people
1: need to hear right now? Mm. Um, assume you're part of the problem.
0: Hmm. Wanna say more about it?
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, I think that for me personally, the the thing that I've come into this week has been um not not a depth of understanding by any means but like a very um just like intro level of um awareness around like just how deep um every single issue that's coming up right now is right like where it started how it started why it started the things that have been orchestrated to keep the systems in place um so much so that i think that very few of us have any idea how deeply we're being we're being or have been manipulated and therefore how deeply we are contributing to the problem Um, whether we think we are or not and so for me it's been like assuming that like energetically energetically if like if energy is not present to hold a system in place, the system won't stand. And so the thing that I've been looking at this week and encouraging other people to look at this week is that somewhere the energies that allow these systems to continue and um, continue to exist, I'm carrying some energies for. So I need to find what those energies are and root them out. And like I need to assume that I'm contributing to the upholding of the system in some way. Mm. <clears throat> I get it. Which is, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this too. But like, it's um, nobody wants to be like, oh, yes, of course, I'm doing this thing <laughs> very unconsciously to all of these people to to like, of course, I'm contributing to this world that like I'm not actually enjoying right now, right? Like, that's the that's the one of the fun things about shadow work right is like you get to start to have some awareness of something that you haven't been aware of before um so it's not an easy process and it's not necessarily even easy to acknowledge or admit but I think it's really important that that's where we start
0: yeah I mean this has been like something that sat with me for a long time um I think my first trip to South Africa in my teens before the official uh, end of apartheid was um, a time where I understood that the great majority of history's atrocities are not just um, acts committed by perpetrators, right? It's the collusion of all the people who are not directly perpetrators, mm-hmm. but sort of uh, makes the the depth of impact, the uh, sort of enormity of the terror possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Same with the Holocaust. I've been kind of fascinated with, with that, like how, not just, you know, I started studying the Holocaust when I was a kid, <clears throat> you know,
1: just
0: everyday pastimes. Just for fun. <laughs> Totally. When I was in junior high school, I spent my weekends at the Holocaust uh, Library here in Central Florida, and
1: really uh, trying so much. to uh, say that again. That explains so much, <laughs> doesn't it? Though,
0: doesn't it? <laughs> Just in the archives, trying to understand how people can perpetrate violence against other people. <laughs> Especially like, you know, I'm growing up as a little black kid in America. For me, white on white violence was quite inconceivable. Hmm. I didn't even understand how they could tell each other apart, like how they could recognize each other. And later I spent some time in Germany and was like, oh, this looks very different phenotypically right in a different context whereas like America is so much more genetically varied in all ways it's not such a clear like a side b side Mm, so in a place like Germany it's like oh no this is visually apparent in many cases oh interesting but I didn't have that frame as a kid and so I was just trying to understand like how does this happen? How do people kind of like turn against themselves in this way? I think in, in the way that the Rwandan genocide is uh, quite hard to wrap our heads around from the perspective of the U.S., mm-hmm. right? That there are people that from our perspective look and seem apparently alike. Whereas if you get a little further into um, sort of the, the local schematic, you can see the ethnic differences right? But you have to know a little more um, about that sort of on the ground taxonomy. Anyway, I digress. It was, it just reminded me how long I've been trying to understand like how atrocity is perpetrated, mm. right? And, and that it was that moment in my teens where I was like, oh, it's not about the perpetrator. It's about all of the collusion that supports the system around the violence,
1: right?
0: Mm. A lot of people have to be willing to benefit from an unfair system in order for the system to continue. It's
1: very insightful for a teenager. <laughs> well, why didn't you tell me sooner? <laughs> <laughs> next time, Rachel, next time. Okay, good. Uh, what do you think the thing people need to hear right now is? Uh
0: You know, it's a a combination for me, and the the first is we are well, and I don't, I don't necessarily lead with that one, and I didn't in the writing, because I don't want to put people to sleep, right, like, this is all okay, this is just part of, like, the spiritual evolution of consciousness, right, like, that's not the, the thing that I mean, um, I don't mean we are so well, go to sleep. We are so well, look away. We are so well, it's not a problem. We are so well, it's not your problem. Those are none of the things that I mean. I just mean we are well. Right? Fundamentally, humanly, we are, we are in a process, which is the second part of the thing that I feel like people need to hear is we are facing the fire of possibility, right? Mm-hmm. And we often joke that my surrender sign is the sign of the phoenix because... I don't just have life transitions occur. I have the whole damn thing burned down. And then I'm like, okay,
1: what's next? What's next?
0: <laughs> and so I know the fire. I know that the fire can be generative. And right now we are facing literal fires in many cases, right? And so like the, this inflamedness, the sense of like acuteness and intensity is for the greater good. Right. If we can figure out how to use the fire, not lament the fire, not step away from the fire, not accuse the fire, not be victimized by the fire, right? Mm. But to actually see the fire as essential in the alchemical process, you know, we are well and we are facing the fire of possibility. What Mm. are we going to do about it?
1: Mm. I love the combination of the fire impossibility right it's like it doesn't negate the intensity and it's also like has a, an air of optimism to it right like there there is a different way out of this mm-hmm.
0: and it's through it's not it, around no not in the judgment of the fire for sure if you're wondering <laughs> it nope that fire is a bad fire. That fire was wrongfully started. That fire should never be. That fire is somebody else's problem. That fire is evidence of like bad citizenship. Like <laughs> none of that. You have to acknowledge the fire, acknowledge the power of the fire, acknowledge the rightness of the fire and still use it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Beautifully said. Oh my
0: goodness. What did you learn about yourself this week? Um,
1: (laughs) just keeping it light over here right and mostly that I've been exercising my own privilege for years by not actually acknowledging the part that I am playing in like propping up the system and um and also that I'm and also that that very much doesn't align with my values and also that I'm willing to get really uncomfortable to actually do the work
0: Is there a kind of micro instance of that participation that you could share? It's a really good question.
1: Um, Even something as small as like, um, you know, like I am a renter, and when i was moving um before placing my child in kindergarten right like i was very um aware of which neighborhoods excuse me had better schools right and we all know that schools are supported by property tax dollars right and there's a very significant difference often like the you know between one neighborhood to the next right it's not one side of town in the next it's like neighborhood to the next right so um for me like doing things like choosing where i live in a way that i knew that my son would get an education that maybe wasn't the same education that was available to other people right and and being okay with that and and actually using that um to my advantage right Mm -hmm. using that um um yeah you using that in a way without acknowledging like that I was both able to and that there was an unfair system that I was able to benefit from.:
0: Thank you. I think uh, it's really easy to well, it's not even easy, but it's uh, there's a way that you can come to the realization in the abstract that's, that's different than what it means to help people see the detail. Yeah, right. Like, where where are my choices? And, a, oh, well, that's just a natural, I'm using air quotes if you can't see me, nat- natural parental thing to do, right? To choose the best opportunity for my child. But then why do I decide that something obviously lesser is okay for other people's children?
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. And
0: what allows me to have that choice? I am... Um, I'll, I'll see if I can find it really quickly, but there's this, uh, meme. I love Facebook memes. Can you tell? Um, this meme there it is that's going around on Facebook and it's just a little bit of a digest from, um, Oh, race educator about an exercise that she did. And I'll just share it with you verbatim. Mm. So, a white woman race race educator, Jane Elliott says to an auditorium full of people, I want every white person in this room who would be happy to be treated as this society in general treats our citizens, our black citizens. If you as a white person would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society, please stand. Unsurprisingly, no one moves. She pauses. You didn't understand the directions. If white folks who want to be treated the same way, if you white folks want to be treated the same way blacks are in this society, stand more marked silence and a lack of movement. She continues, nobody's standing here. That says very plainly that you know what's happening. You know you don't want it for you. I want to know why you're so willing to accept it or allow it to happen for others. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, oh yeah, <laughs> that's quite clear. It's quite clear, all right. All right, Like, no, I think it's all fair and just. I don't want to be treated like that, but it's actually equal. And it's just about how much people are working. It's a meritocracy, but I don't want to be treated like that. Right.
1: Yep. I mean, that's really very clear. Mm-hmm. Such beauty in the simplicity. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself this week? Huh?
0: always complex. Um, One of the things that I learned is when I don't waver, I can move things very quickly. So on Sunday, as curfew was announced in the area where I was, I just thought I'm not it's not in in my body in this moment, um, to want to be in physical protest that that's not something that's been calling to me, but there is a way that I have a lot to say. And so my ability to mobilize kind of came together with an acknowledgement of my specific skills and my specific um, points of contribution. And so I held a day long set of conversations on black masculinity. Where, um, and those, if anybody is interested, are available on my Facebook page, which is Love and Freedom Education. Um, But, you know, it was just a very subtle set of conversations where black men, mostly black men, got to talk about what, what the intersection of blackness and masculinity has meant for them what their own experiences have been like um, inside of um, institutionally sanctioned violence, right? Discrimination and to go deeper into just the intimacy of personal and lived experience. And they all talked about needing, feeling that they needed to comport their bodies differently to become these sort of like friendly man masks. Right. And there was just a way that the kind of conversation that emerged needed quiet it needed calm it needed those qualities that i am able to bring in turbulence um those were not the kinds of insights that would have emerged in protest right so there are many languages and the thing that i learned was to Really, stay on mine, right? Like, stay in the language in which my voice speaks the loudest. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. What is something that you observed out there that you want to talk more about?
1: I mean, this list could have been really long, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I. I saw a lot of things for the first time this week. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think one of the ones that really um, stood out to me, I think for a number of reasons, right? When I like, um, when I, um, I believe that law enforcement is one of the most problematic places where the system Works against Black people. I don't think it's the only system that is broken and/or contributing to systemic racism, but it's a pretty significant one. And um, and as I was watching the protests go down, right, and people's right to assemble and people's right to free speech, and um, and seeing some of the things that, seeing some of the tactics that police employed. Um, during those protests was pretty horrifying, but also there, like the energetic right of which they were employed, um, I think was even more shocking. Right, so I learned about this concept called kettling, which is from um, it's 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 a military um, strategy, right, which. Theoretically, police—if if there's a protest, right—theoretically, police are trying to keep the crowd safe, right? Um, trying to make sure that other problems don't arise, and so, and that they're—and that protesters are able to do that safely. And so, when I think about um, a, a a situation in which police would need to intervene, right, the thing that occurs to me is their, um, th- like their ultimate goal being dispersal. Right, you you want to break up the crowd so that the problems you know don't occur, um, and so this concept of kettling essentially is where um, instead of moving protesters to a, um, in a way that they can disperse um, the crowds, it's actually a way of encircling the crowd, uh, basically trapping them, like surrounding a perimeter of a space and then enclosing the space so that the the group gets more and more congested. And there's less and less space to move in, basically, so the police can beat the shit out of them until they're able to be arrested, right? So it's very much a retaliation sort of technique. Um, And I heard about this happening in DC over the weekend, I think it was. Um, And, you know, one of the beautiful things that came out of the story that I was reading was there was a man, you know, several neighbors were watching this take place, um, Mm -hmm. and there was a man in particular there were a number of neighbors that did this but this man in particular opened his home and let like 70 protesters basically spend the night in his house that he didn't know and he you know like and and the cops actually were like trying to come onto his property and trying to declare that it was safe for for the protesters to pass and they were essentially all just camped outside all night long waiting to arrest these people and somewhere in that story it's like we've really missed the point. Like cops have really missed the point of what protest is, what, um, what is available to citizens, you know, what is covered under our rights and like their levels of anger about it, right? The energetic that comes with like, uh, I, I want to hurt people, right? I want to I make people pay for their actions and I'm going to sit here to make sure that they pay, Right, like there's something about that that just feels fundamentally off to me. Mm.
0: You think, <laughs> you know? we well, maybe stating the obvious today, no. but it's okay. It's okay. There's a little bit of sarcasm there, but it, um, it makes me think of a couple of things. And the first of those things, I guess, I'll go with the sort of larger tonal um backdrop for this conversation is we're still navigating a global pandemic so police are deciding to corral people more tightly together right what what does that say about a commitment to public safety just at the level of COVID 19 right right to move against strategies which are normally meant for dispersal right to go against everything we know about standing six feet apart and wearing masks to force a crowd of people who don't know each other together. Mm-hmm. So there's there's that one which seems like the softball, and and then I shared uh, earlier today last night a uh, short video from Trevor Noah who I'm really i'm super behind trevor noah for 2020 right also wants to help me get him on the ballot we've Such already a had a Russian black president <laughs> let's have an african president i'm behind it <laughs> <laughs> he's south african he has so many insights about the situation um and it's, it's interesting of all of the things that are going viral, that are getting liked, that are getting shared rapidly, this one is not moving as quickly as it should for the level of insight that it offers. It's basically like, there's no way that you should expect the social contract to extend to cover uh, the safety of buildings and businesses when the social contract that covers humanity and right to survival right, has been broken. The, the agreements don't stay in place mm-hmm. when they're already broken. It's like in, in any contract, it's like, you know, if any of the parts of this contract are severed, the whole contract is rendered null and void. Mm-hmm. It, it's like that. So you can't expect people to uphold the rule of law when the rule of law is not upheld in relationship to that. Mm -hmm. yeah this is fascinating just very insightful and and we also always know that we're not talking about every cop right there Mm -hmm. there are plenty of black cops out there right um but there is a way that built into the institution and Oh, I'm not even sure. I've been listening to so much recently. Just before this, I listened to uh, President Obama's address. Um, and someone very recently was talking about, I believe it was one of the the younger experts in his panel, um, was talking about the origin of our current police department coming from slave catching. Mm. Right. Mm. And I... I haven't seen enough of that to be able to go deeply into it but wow that would that would say a lot right Mm -hmm. around what's the ethos on what thing is this thing built it's kind of like the conversations that we're having around these systems are not failing these systems were designed with this in mind right like I said a couple of weeks ago I was sharing um some insight from a friend who was saying who's a doctor who's saying our hospitals are not failing they were never meant to serve the masses they were meant to serve the elite who had the money to support them Mm -hmm. right you know very similarly I came through the university system both as a student obviously and then as a professor I came through cultural institutions as a fine artist and you know now those institutions are struggling with diversity and and wanting to have more diverse student bodies but they were never intended to be populist locations right they were created with they were created for the elite with a sense of separation and distinction in mind Mm -hmm. right they were never meant to be democratic And so how do we begin to reconceive those, reconceive new systems, right? Because there's something about the reformation of systems that never had these intentions that can't necessarily hold uh, the the values and objectives that we want to move forward with from here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a council member on that conversation with President Obama council member from Minneapolis who was doing some visioning around um a state without police right and sort of community-based public safety and it was just so fascinating to for me to stretch my mind into a place that I had never considered right like what would that look like right if we if we and they were talking about uh sort of starting at the vision that you foresee and then working backwards. Mm-hmm. What would have to change? What policies would need to be in place? What support would need to be in place to make that a possibility?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's something you observed that you want to talk about?
0: Oh, goodness. I don't know that
1: I can talk about it in the time we have allowed,
0: <laughs> but... uh You know, the thing that I've really been paying attention to this week is the shift in what it means to be allied. Um, There has been this ongoing sense that a few good non-Black people would ally themselves with Black people um, to support the struggle but it was always fairly clear that like the struggle belonged to black people Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that, you know, Alliance was coming along to lend a hand to your struggle. Mm -hmm. And I I think we're really beginning to reframe that really just, it's so nascent. I mean, literally in the last week for most people, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some people that have been on the forefront of this, like the white racial educator, that I was reading from, reading about. So it's not that it's unheard of, but it's not been a popular um, opinion, not in the sense of well-liked, but just in the sense of widespread. Um, So really beginning to see people understand that this is their own fight. And if they want to be in it, if they choose to be in it, they need to be in it on their own feet, Hmm. not asking oh, how can we support this thing that belongs to someone else, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that I've really observed. And it's clumsy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's, it's awkward, it's not pretty. People are saying a lot of the wrong things. I've had many people reach out saying, i don't want to ask you to do my work for me and etc etc and it's a really long message that essentially says could you do this work for me i don't know what to do next um and you know it just there there's just a beauty in acknowledging there's a beauty in being in the play right and just acknowledging "Eh, nope (laughs) That, that wasn't it but you tried, right? And it's not a place where we're going we're, we're to be like giving gold stars for like everyone that like shows up on the field, right? It's, it's not that. It's, um, it's that we're going to have to be willing to take off the mask. We're going to have to be willing to do it awkwardly and imperfectly and um, in a way that's kind of inflamed for a while. Mm-hmm right? To be able to get, get any real traction with it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice to see some of the awkward, clumsy conversations starting to happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, we've been friends for years, right? And race has come up very subtly, probably a handful of times in our relationship. Prior to the last month, right? <laughs> I don't know um, about different instances, probably in our own lives, right? But not the way that they intersect with each other's. I would say, and just the number of times that this week you've been like, Rachel, <laughs> it's been really. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie, like it's not the most comfortable thing in the world, right? And it's not, and it's also like, I so appreciate the depth of relationship that you and I already have that we can be in this together but I can only imagine people who have relationships that are not built on the same foundations that you and I have and like how that's going and how that must feel right but it takes it's gonna take I think it's gonna take a lot of willingness on both sides
0: a lot of willingness a lot of um willingness to not be right for a while mm-hmm. you know you may not look good for a while you may do it wrong you may put your foot in your mouth okay <laughs> you're on your way I just you know it makes me think of that image of like the toddler who's trying to walk
1: right mm-hmm.
0: there's a lot of busting ass before there's walking okay <laughs> it looks Really weird, like that first, like bobble headed moment where, like, the head is too big and like the walking is super, like, awkward. There's like that little Parkinson's, like, tick, tremble. Like, how does this go?
1: (laughs) That is where we are. Yeah, I think that captures it beautifully. (laughs) Well, we haven't made it through all of our questions, but it feels like maybe that's the place to leave it for today,
0: you know. (laughs) <laughs> also because we have calls at 8 and we spend a lot of time in our pre-call catching up, talking about the world because things are a little intense do we have a second to end with the message that we've been sharing this week? Of course well, that's the place to go.
1: I like it and the message that I've been sharing this week is that um, none of what's happening right now is a distraction from our real lives it's the path to the lives that we've all been wanting to create yes
0: My message is listen first. If you're not sure what to do, if you don't know how to take action, listen first.
1: Beautiful. Awesome. It's
0: always a pleasure.
1: Likewise.
0: (laughs) See you soon. We'll see you soon. Very soon. Like tomorrow.
1: Right. There's that. (laughs) We'll see you back here again tomorrow for the next installment of Diary of a Pandemic. If you want to connect with us about working together, joining us live on the podcast to share your own answers, participating in the free community as you document your own journey, or really anything else, drop us an email at becomingfreehumans@gmail.com, at gmail.com or through the messaging function of whatever app you're on to listen. See you tomorrow.